0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord a high praise. Bless the Lord. Praise God. It is so good to see each and every one of you. I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so good to see you. I'm so happy to see you. I don't know what to do with myself. Come on, smile at somebody and say, I'm so happy to see you. I don't know what to do with myself. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm so happy, happy, happy. Praise God. My pastor used to say, my happy is happy. <laughs> Amen. So we're so glad for all of you. And we certainly honor the presence of the Lord that is here in his precious Holy Spirit. But we also thank the Lord for our beloved senior pastor who is with the Kids Way Children's Ministry this weekend. Can we clap our hands for Pastor Lance and his family? What an example of humility humility that he cares for all of God's children. And we thank God. I don't know many senior pastors that would uh, do as he did last week, be with our our young adults, our y- young people rather, our youth, and then this week be with our children. And so we're very, very grateful for that type of leadership and uh, also our entire pastoral team, our elders, and all of those servants here in God's house We thank God for you. Now, we're going to continue. Yeah, let's give God praise. Let's thank God for all of the house. And since we're clapping for everybody, go ahead and look at somebody and say, And I celebrate you. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. I celebrate you. You is kind, you is sweet, and you is important. All right? So we're glad for all of you. Praise God. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into our teaching that uh, Pastor Brian Kylie led us into a series. Uh, he led out in three weeks of the series, and then Pastor Lance came and took us into a week into teaching on this, and uh, actually a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be sharing as well on this teaching that he has presented entitled Community on Mission. So we're going to look at that in just a moment uh, and see what God has for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this, your beloved. My dear ones that have gathered here, I do not take it for granted. I'm humbled, God, to be able to stand before my brothers and sisters. Would you now, God, give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text, help your servant to share in such a way that even the youngest amongst us will be able to receive and be blessed by the powerful revelation that is given to us through the Word of God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Move in our midst. Let there be signs and wonders that follow the teaching of your Word. And we give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, all God's people shout, Amen. Amen. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We are going to, in just a few moments, go into First John which is our primary reference for this series. But I want to continue to just lay a little foundation here with us as it relates to the subject matter that we've embarked upon, Community on Mission. Uh, I will say this, even though we'll go there in a moment, the book of First John indeed is a treatise on Christian love, the love that God demonstrates towards us, and that which we are also to show and reflect back to one another. The instructions that are found within First John help us to see what Christian love calls us to do. But it also helps us to understand the things that we are not to do. There are some things that we are not to do or we're to avoid. Ultimately, First John lays out a blueprint for the values of spiritual community which are deeply rooted in God's truth and deeply engaged in God's mission. Thus we are becoming a community. Thus we are becoming a community that is on mission. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King referenced it as being the beloved community. The beloved community. We are growing in that. We're becoming that. We're exuding. We're exemplifying that. Uh, uh, the reality is, brothers and sisters, is that God takes community very serious. Uh, I'll even go on record as saying that it is not an option. Uh, God believes that uh, it's in his heart and mind that uh, we're to have fellowship with him and also fellowship one with another. And we're also to be an example to reach to those who have yet to receive Christ by our lives, that they also would want to be a part of the body of Christ. That, that, that's God's heart. So, he, again, he takes it very, very serious. And l- let me even go one more step. Uh, when we speak of community, it is not an option. It is not an option you don 't lay this alongside all of your little social gatherings and determine whether or not you want to be part of the community or not part of the community. If you are a child of God, a believer, community is not an option. You stuck with us okay it 's just how it is. You are stuck with us you, you Until now, all the way up into heaven, into eternity, if you're in the body of Christ, we are family. Okay? That's how it is. So it is not an option. And with that comes an understanding that community goes deeper than baking cookies and eating cupcakes and having a little marshmallow roast and hot chocolate and all of that. No, no, no. It's a deeper commitment than that. It's not just sitting around the fire singing Kumbaya. We are called to do mission, to do the work of the kingdom. And it can get really ugly. It can get real nasty when you're doing God's work. It can get really treacherous when you're doing His work. But again, our fellowship with God and with one another is connected intrinsically it is connected if we are following Jesus make no mistake brothers and sisters we will be misunderstood the values of Jesus often don't make sense to the rest of the world and I might even add even some believers and we must be prepared to grapple with this reality But it's in this that we know that we are God's children we are indeed the children of God and we can't live in such a way or rather we can live in such a way before the world and before others with grace with truth with kindness as we are purified in our identity in Christ. You have your brochure in front of you that you received if you'll please fill in the blanks that are before you. Write these words in if you will please. Our confidence that's your first word our confidence comes from our identity. Our confidence comes from our identity. I affirm this and you've all heard my testimony, most of you in this room, that up until the age of 17, from the time I could speak up until I was 17, I stuttered. I did not begin talking until I was a little bit over four and a half, five years of age. Parents were very concerned because I would not speak. I would not say really anything. And then when I did speak, they began to recognize that there was a problem. And so I stuttered until I was 17. People in the community that knew me in elementary school, middle school, high school will tell you that at times it would take me moments to get words out of my mouth. It wasn't until the age of 17 that I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had an encounter with me. And he loosed my tongue. And now you can't shut me up. Come on somebody. He put a boldness within me. So I affirm the fact that our confidence comes from knowing our identity. Where was our identity stripped? If you look with me here in Genesis 3, beginning at verse 8, we see the origins of where identity has been removed from many people's hearts and minds, leaving them without confidence. For it's in the text that we read this, And they, this being Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Take note. They hid themselves... "...from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden." Isn't that interesting that they hid themselves... How are you going to hide yourself from God? (laughs) "...they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Now, please take note, the God who knows all things... He's knowledgeable of all things. He's not ignorant of anything. He, in essence, makes this call out to the one that he's created, to Adam. Knowing where he's at, but in essence, signifying in Adam's mind, something has shifted. There's a change that has occurred. Something has been removed. Something has been stripped away. Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. Again, stripped of identity. I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, watch this, the woman. You know, every time I read this, I'm thinking to myself, why would Adam just turn around and say, instead of just saying, I I take responsibility, why would he just turn around and blame the woman? I mean, man up, come on somebody. He says, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate then the Lord God said to the woman what is this that you have done the woman said the serpent deceived me and I ate can I share something with you beloved the blame game the blame game kicks in when you and I do not know our identity we start blaming others we start accusing others we start making excuses Of why we do what we do or the things that we do not do. It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. When you don't know who you are, it's difficult for you to even be confident in your responsibility. And it is here that we see that Adam starts blaming. Eve blames. You know, most commentators, you all have heard this, most commentators believe that prior to this time, the serpent, who was one of the most beautiful of all creatures, actually had legs and walked upright. You often see pictures of the serpent wrapped around a branch and so forth. That, that was not the depiction of what much, most commentators believe. They believe that the serpent actually walked within the garden with legs. It's not until Genesis 3, and I believe around verse 14, that the curse takes place, that God curses and says, out of all of the beasts of the field, you shall be cursed amongst them and you will, in essence, be one who eats the dust of the ground. But prior to that, the serpent has legs. So the reality is, is that the man blames the woman, the woman blames the serpent, and when it's all over, the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. All right. (laughs) let's keep rolling (laughs) but y'all were so deep into it y'all were just like (laughs) when you do not know your identity you'll look for others to blame I think it's also interesting to note that the fruit is mentioned here and in their disobedience the fruit which signified, watch this, God-centeredness. Now because of disobedience, it now signifies self-centeredness. The origin of the fruit, the whole meaning of God speaking what He did to them was that they would keep Him at the center in their obedience. But now in their disobedience, now that fruit signifies that of self-centeredness where there's no identity there can be no confidence where there is no confidence there can be no communion where there's no communion there's no common union where there's no common union there is no community beloved, our kingdom identity establishes that our mission is that of kingdom positioning with God and with one another We are in the kingdom of the Lord. Later on, Paul will exhort Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And he begins to lay some things out to him to help him to understand. We must not be timid in who God has called us to be. But we must be bold. When we know our identity in Christ, we need not be afraid. We need not be afraid. Paul tells Timothy... These words in verse 7. I'm convinced that the same faith that was in your mother and your grandmother, Timothy, young man, is also in you. And he has not given you the spirit of fear. Do you know fear is a spirit? Timidity is a spirit. It's not merely an emotion. It is a spiritual principle. He says, God has not given you the spirit or a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power. That's authority. Love. And soundness of mine. Later on in verse 14. He will tell him these words. Guard that which has been deposited into you. Guard it. There will be things. In other words Timothy. That will come to try to discourage you. And try to cause you to go back into timidity. And to fear. But do not fear. The Lord is with you. Guard that which is in you. Guard that which has been deposited in you. When you know your identity. It helps you. To be confident. You have to see yourself confident. Last night when I left here after the last service, I literally was shaking in the car. Shaking to my car and shaking in the car. Not out of fear. But more so, just out of, whenever I experience what we did here last night, and even in the last service, this, the glory of God released and poured out upon us, there's almost a physical shaking that comes upon my body. The the, the old saints in the church I grew up in, they used to call it the quickening, where you can just be sitting there, and all of a sudden, you just, whew, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. there's times I still do that there's times I was doing it all last night getting in the car I was just experiencing the presence of God on me and and just the glory of watching how God was moving in our midst and I was just like Lord I give you praise sometimes I have to pull the car alongside the road and stop because I'm driving under the influence you understand what I'm saying I have to pull the car aside I made my way over to the grocery store not too far from my home. And I walked in the store and I was looking. I was just standing there and I was getting ready to go down to where I believed the item I wanted to purchase was. And there was a young man by the name of Nathaniel who worked in the store that was standing there. And as he was standing in the aisle, he came over to me and he says, Sir, can I help you? And I said, I'm looking for some pineapple juice. He says, well, uh, he gets on his little speaker. He says, I believe the pineapple juice is in row five. So then we head over to row five, and I said, now, I'm looking for refrigerated pineapple juice. He says, oh, well, I think we have to go back this way. Well, we walked back to the refrigeration case, and we looked over, and he says, well, I don't see any refrigerated, just plain, 100% pineapple juice. It had pineapple and banana and pineapple and mango. I said, no, I just want plain pineapple juice. And he says, well, we'll have to go back to row five. It's over there. Well then, I said, no problem, I'll just go on back to row five. And then he says to me, he says, well I'll take you back to row five. And I thought that was interesting, that he would be so cordial and so friendly as not only to walk me to row five, but then from row five back to the refrigeration case. And then from the refrigeration case, I'm very intelligent, I do know the numbers. I could have gone back to row five by myself, but he said, I'll take you back to row five. And so he starts walking with me and then he starts talking with me and he starts saying, are you having a good day? And I said, I am. And then he says, you look like you're having a good day. And I'm thinking to myself, now listen, um, this young man really is doing a lot of talking to me. And you might want to tap like a woodpecker with a headache, young man, because you're about to get the encounter of the Holy Spirit <laughs> hanging around me. It's a dangerous thing to be around somebody who knows who they are in God. I said, man, if you keep talking to me, They're going to come across the speaker and say, man down in aisle five, clean up. Confidence. Confidence. Ah, y'all. That's why I love talking with people. When you know who you are, it frees you up. Every encounter that you have on your job in the grocery store, on the schoolyard, wherever you go, you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you speak with boldness and you pray with people with boldness because you are a community on mission. This is God's heart. Jesus knew his identity. Yes, he did. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. You remember Jesus had come out of 40 days of prayer and fasting and the angels ministered to him. And then Jesus went into the synagogue and on the day that he was in the synagogue, he was sitting there and the scripture was handed to him. The scroll was handed to Jesus and Jesus unrolls the scroll and he makes the statement, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading Isaiah 61. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord God's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll. And gave it back to the attendant. And sat down. But notice here. Jesus did what other rabbis had done. But this was different. When Jesus read the passage of Isaiah, he read it with confidence. He read it with boldness. He embodied the text. Did you catch that? He embodied the text because, isn't it interesting, the word, Jesus, who is the word reading the word. (laughs) Jesus. Who is the embodiment of the Word. He is the essence of the Word. He reads the Word and He reads it with boldness. What would happen if you and I become so attached to our identity in Christ that we ourselves are the walking Word? We are the living Word. We are the breathing Word. That every place we go, wherever people encounter us, they encounter the presence of Jesus. The scripture says in that, script, in that passage in verse 19 that he rolled up the scroll and all the eyes of the people in the synagogue were fixed on him. In verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's, that's confidence, beloved. Today this scripture is field. Can I say something to you? May I just prophesy on the house here. What will happen if we get so secure in our identity in Christ? Would it not be so that today we can say we don't even have to wait till November 18th for the worship, prayer, and healing? We understand God wants to do something on that day, but what if we just got on a cord in this room right now and believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here right now, moving in our midst? There's nothing Thing that is impossible for God. May I just speak over the house? Somebody can be healed right now. Somebody can be delivered and set free right now. Somebody can be made whole right now. We just finished singing the song. This is what we do. This is how we fight our battles. Why don't we just set it up and give God a high praise and believe God is moving right now. See, I, I'm just crazy enough to believe that even as people come into the parking lot, the power of God is so strong here that even before they can come through the front doors, God begins to destroy yokes and chains and sets people free. See, we 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 we're stepping boldly into this bridgeway, we're not being passive with this. We, we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He healed then, He heals now. If He delivered then, He delivers now. If He set the oppressed free, then He sets them free now. We, we just believe that. We stand on that. You know, and some of us are a little louder about it than others. But that is the mission that God has given each and every one of us. Go with me quickly to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. John chapter 2 and verse 28. And listen to what John says as we study this further. He says, and now little children, notice the loving care, the passionate pastoral exhortation. And now little children, abide in God so that when He appears, abide in the Lord. So that when he appears, we may have, notice the word, confidence, and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? Oh, yes, he is. Jesus is coming again. Oh, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him and see the resurrection of the saints who have gone to sleep in the Lord. My, I've got a mother that's sleeping in Him. I've got a father who's sleeping in Him. I've got a brother who's sleeping in Him. And at His appearing, the dead in Christ will rise. And those who remain will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. And He will establish a new heaven and a new earth. But guess what, folks? When He comes, He's coming with His rewards in hand. For those of us who have been faithful to what He's called us to do. I am living in such a way that I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to just waste my time here and sing some songs and come to church and do little nice things. I want to be so obedient to the Lord that He asks me, what have you done with what I have given you? And I can say to Him, Lord, I took whatever You put into my life And I cultivated it. I produced with it. Father, someone was set free because of what you did for me. Somebody was made whole. God, my test and trial served to be a testimony to help somebody come through their test and through their trial. He's coming back. He says here, little children, abide in him so that when he comes... You won't be standing there like Adam and Eve with fig leaves in front of yourself. In shame. You won't be sitting there dropping your head. But rather, you'll be sitting with confidence because of the restoration and the identity that has been given back to us. Look at verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure. Same same tense and framework of the word confidence you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him if you know your identity if you know that Jesus is righteous then you may be sure you may be positive you may be confident that everyone every man woman boy or girl who practices righteousness comes from him We come from Him. He is our identity. I am hidden in Him. I am hidden in Christ. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the adversary throws at me, no matter what kind of week I've had, no matter what kind of discouragement comes my way, I am in Christ. That is my identity. And so he goes on to say that again, we may be sure that we have been born of Him as we practice righteousness. You know, it's interesting. Because it fits with the passage in Matthew 633 that tells us these words. Seek ye first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And instead of worrying about all the things in the world, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I have a dear friend who is a Bible scholar. In Oklahoma, actually in, in Texas, he taught school for many years in Oklahoma. And he studies the scripture and he says a, a accurate exegetical rendering of the text would mean seek first the laws and the principles along with the corresponding acts of God. And all these things shall be added to you. In other words, seek God's principles, God's law, God's ways. But don't just stop there. Also, seek after and pursue and exude acts of righteousness. Acts of righteousness. Watch this. Be careful. Not righteous acts to be made right with God. But righteous acts because we have been made right with God. Did you catch that? Let me play like we're on Sesame Street. I don't... Serve and work to get right I serve and work because I've been made right is there anybody in this house besides myself that is glad and happy that it has nothing to do with how good you are how great you are how wonderful you are how many are glad for the Lord Jesus Christ hey glad that Jesus has declared us righteous hallelujah church I grew up in we thought it was long dresses down to the floor underneath your ankles women couldn't cut their hair couldn't wear makeup couldn't wear jewelry they said that was holy I said it was ugly and they (laughs) y'all pray for me I'm going to be (laughs) alright but they did they said, if you do this, you'll be righteous. If you do this, you'll do right. If you don't go here, you'll be righteous. That's not what makes you righteous. It's the relationship that we identify with based upon the work that Jesus Christ has done. That's what makes us righteous. So therefore, we exude righteous acts. Acts of righteousness. That is our attribution. Isn't it interesting that the world, when we talk about uh, acts of God When they talk about Acts of God The world always attributes it to bad things Earthquake An act of God Hurricane An act of God you know, you know, all of it, They say it was an act of God And then when it is something That is positive Then they say well You know she was really lucky He was really lucky I think I have about at least a hundred of you all in here that will identify the fact that every good thing that has ever happened to you, it was not based upon your ingenuity. It was not based upon your ability. It was not based upon your degree. You know you were towed up from the flow up, but it was God who had mercy and favor and he put it upon your life. Is there anybody besides myself That is just thankful that God loved us just the way that we are, but he loved us too much to leave us as we are. He's transforming us. It's his righteousness. We can't do anything of our own. Let me read one, a couple of more passages and then we're going to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm wired up. I'm wired up. Because God is already moving up in here. Oh, hallelujah. He's moving up in here. Some some chains are definitely being cast down. Right this minute. Let me read this and we're going to close. In John 15, the same author of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John also wrote the gospel according to John. John 15. And notice what he says in verse 1. I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the cultivator. He is the gardener. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. That means there's some false vines out there. There's some false vines. There's some deceptions. There's some things that are trying to move you away from your identity. Be careful not to attach to that. He says, my father is the cultivator. He is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear More fruit. Oh, no. Really? I I didn't really have a problem with him taking the branches that aren't bearing fruit. Because I'm like, if they're not bearing fruit, they're useless. God, take it away. But God says, oh, I'm not done. I'm going after even that which does bear fruit. That's why we're fasting and praying these 40 days and 40 40 days. That we're fasting up till November 18th. We're, We're fasting because... Uh, God, we want you to take out anything that's not like you, so that what's left is you. See, so I'm gonna just tell them myself. You all can sit there and act like it's not you, and just take your little halo and bend it over, okay? But I did. I got to complaining the other day. I said, Lord, all this fasting, Lord, really? Forty days, we gotta fast forty days. Why does Bridgeway do forty days? The church up the street does twenty-one days. <laughs> they do twenty-one days. We gotta do forty days. Why we gotta do? Why we gotta do forty days? And I was saying to Lord, I'm losing weight. <laughs> There's only so many vegetables I can eat. I'm, I'm, I, I, I gotta run around the shower just to get wet. Do You understand what I'm saying? I'm just. Like, I'm telling you it's true. And I was sitting there and I was tripping. Y'all, I was just straight up tripping. Straight up tripping. And the Lord spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke. And He says, The reason why I've got you in a place that's doing 40 days is because I need some extra days to do some pruning on you. I got some pruning I got to do. But Lord... I'm bearing fruit. He says, And you're getting ready to bear some more. But I'm going to have to cut some stuff. I'm going to have to cut some attitudes away. I'm going to have to even cut some individuals, some negativity that's around you. I've got to cut it away from you. I've got to cut some areas of intimidation that are still there. Some fear that still tries to creep up. I've got to cut some of those things and prune it down so that in your season, you will not be weary in well doing, but you shall reap. That's it. Some of you are right there right now. You're wondering, you know what? Since I've been on this fast, it seemed like hell and high water has broke loose. I thought we were supposed to be seeing more of God's glory. It seems like the demons are just acting up. It's God's pruning. It's pruning. I need you to give somebody a high five and say, you're getting ready to produce more fruit. Go ahead and tell them. You're getting ready to produce more fruit. <laughs> Glory to God. can we just say that some things are getting ready to happen. God is getting ready to release into your life. Let me read this last passage for you, and I think this will help you. In 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, we'll close with this. Notice what he says. See... What kind of love the Father has given to us. Stop right there. See what kind of love the Father has given. See now you see some of us we just want to feel love. Oh I just feel love. Just love. Oh it just feels so good. Just ooey gooey booey dooey sooey booey. Mm -mm. God wants to release in this church love that is seen, active love, love that is in action. And I'm not talking about love the ones that you think love you or like you. No, no, no. Being able to even love your enemy. Oh, I know that's a weak clap. You're going to be all right. God's just going to do some more pruning on you. You're going to be all right. Hallelujah. Look what he says. He says here in this passage, don't don't miss it. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. Hey, 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 we're God's children right now. We're God's children right now. Oh, I've been through some things, but I'm God's child right now. I'm still going through some things, but I'm God's child right now. I may not look like other people think I ought to look, but I'm God's child right now. We are His children right now. Right this moment. I'm a child of a living God. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears... We shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes. Everyone who has this hope. Just kicks back and looks doofus. No. Everyone who has this hope. Purifies herself. Purifies himself. Put yourself in a posture. God take out what's not like you and put in and leave in everything that is like you you prepare the fire I'll bring the sacrifice I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing have you been blessed by the word come on give God the highest praise you can give him 13 come forward 13 13 come on up I want to pray and give a blessing on people in this house that would say, Pastor, I am standing and believing God to do something powerful while we're praying and fasting. And I need you to agree with me. I need a door open. I need a miracle. I need something to shift. I'm connecting to my identity. There's something that God wants to do and I want to be right in the middle of it. I don't want to be afraid another day. I don't want to be timid another day. I want to jump boldly into what God is doing. I've listened, I will not give the enemy my family, my children. We refuse to give the enemy our spouse. No more pointing the finger. I know who I am in him. I want to agree with you. I know we don't do it often, but we're going to do it today in the last few minutes we have. I want to bless people all over this room. Stand to your feet and if that's you, make your way to this altar as quickly as you can. Come real quick and let me just speak a brief prayer over you. Stand to your feet all over this room. I want to be more like you. Jesus I come on everybody want to be more like you I want to be a vessel I want to be a vessel you work through I want to be more like you somebody else come on I want to agree with you we want to believe God for something special come on I wanna be more like you, Jesus. I wanna be more like you. I wanna be a vessel. I wanna be a vessel you work through. I. Wanna be. I'm going to wait one more time because there's somebody else that needs to be at this altar. Come on. Everybody lift your hands and sing it. Come on. I want to be more like you. Jesus, I want to be more like you. I wanna be a vessel, oh God. I wanna be a vessel you work through. I wanna be more like you. Now listen. It's time to go higher. It's time to come up higher. Sis, it's time to come up higher. No more settled. Because where you think you have settled has actually been tormenting. Where it appears to be settled has actually been tormenting. It's time to come up higher. There is more that's in you than the adversary would ever let you know. There is more that's in you that if you begin to just embrace fully all that God has ever spoken to you about Himself you become dangerous to the very plan of the adversary. So in the name of Jesus, we the people of God counsel the assignment of the adversary. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands with confidence and boldness and be everything God has called you to be. In the name of Jesus, Fresh perspective, fresh vision, Sits, Fresh vision, fresh vision. You've served well. You've served well. But there's a new dimension now of God. A new dimension of God showing you powerful things. Everything you've read, everything that you've studied. Now God is just ready to use you your hands, your mouth, your eyes, your ears, as His handmaiden. There are going to be some people that are going to be transformed as you obey God. Just obey what he's told you to do. God is not giving you the spirit of fear, but the power of love, soundness of mind. Move boldly in it. Move boldly in it. Move boldly in it. Step into it. It's clear. Ah, I can see clearly now. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Step into it, step into it, step into it, step into it. All that He has, all that He has, all that He has. Just receive, just receive. It's not... you You don't have to beg God for anything. It is His good pleasure. <laughs> it's His good pleasure to do this for you. It's His good pleasure to do this for you. It's His good pleasure to do this for a young man, Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. It's going to cost you. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you. Oh, son, it's going to cost you. But your yes, God. Hey, your yes, God. Hey, your your yes, God. Your yes, God. Your yes to God will be greater than anything, anything that the world would ever promise or ever offer. Your yes, God, will bring you into greater works. Greater works will you do. For the kingdom, there'll be people that will be blessed through you. Don't worry about where you fall short. Don't stress on that. You are surrounded by some folks who fall short every day. (laughs) We mess up every day. But just obey the Lord. Do what God has told you to do. Do what he's told you to do. Do what he's told you to do. Mm Mm-hmm we got to get ready to go here. Ah, yes. Yes. Just be healed. Just be healed. Just be whole. Be whole. Whole. All the other things that God has done, now let Him just complete everything. Let Him complete everything. It's for you. (laughs) Let Him do Yay, Hey, God, yes, come on. Yes, 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 yes. Let Him do all of it. Let Him do all of it. He's a God that makes whole. He's a God that makes whole. He's a God who makes whole. Lift your hands all over this room, everyone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, I decree blessings. I decree favor, wholeness, deliverance over men, men, women, boys and girls in this audience. God, touch right now in the name of Jesus. Send your help. Send your strength. Send your peace. In your name, O God. Do it, O God. Do it, O God. Let there not be another day that we will walk in, God, and we will not walk in it in fear or intimidation. God, we will move in boldness. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, you're working, and you're working well. I command every stronghold, hey, every stronghold, Every stronghold. Hey, every stronghold of the adversary. Loose your hold. You have no permission. No permission to influence anything concerning these loved ones. We cancel the assignment of the adversary in Jesus' name. And declare wholeness, healing, deliverance, and victory in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, give God a praise. Give him a praise. Come on. Victory! I gotta let you go, but I'm gonna shout it one more time. I'm gonna shout it over your life, over your house, everything concerning you. In Jesus name! Victory! I got to go. I'm about to drive under the influence. Hug some necks all over this room. The prayer team is up here. If you need further prayer, come on up. We'll pray with you. If you want to know about how to receive the Lord in your life, come on up. We want you to be a part of the family. God bless you. Go in peace.